Hey everybody, welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. And today on the podcast, we have me, Budget King, <laughs> Mike D, Caitlin, hey. and Greg. Hi. This week, we're doing a little bit different. We're covering Birds of Prey, the movie. What comes after Birds of Prey in the name? The, the Immaculate the Conception of Harry. The Fantabulous <laughs> Emancipation of, of Harley. one Miss Harley Quinn. Yeah, I think. there you go. Yeah. Great job. Quite the tongue twister. You guys are the um, the DC marketing team would uh, be very proud of you. I think you're the only people that could uh, <laughs> repeat that back. We had a conversation about this that we think the only reason there's that extra long weird tagline is that someone high up was like, what, you're not going to put Harley Quinn's name in this? No one's going to go see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a dare. Yeah. Uh, How far away can you get Harley Quinn's name from the actual title? How many words can you put in the title? As long as, long as it's in there, we're good. Yeah. Right. All right, so this is a um, review or a, just a discussion of a recent movie that came out. It came out this week. Birds of Prey came out. We were doing the whole episode on Birds of Prey. We have done this before. We love changing up formats a little bit. So some house cleaning. At the end of this podcast, um, because we might have some new listeners on this and for various other reasons, we're going to talk about uh, non-superhero comics that you might want to jump into that happened last year and a half, year and a half. Um, and we also did a real episode of the two, uh, our two favorite number ones that came out this week. That real episode is actually on our Patreon. So if you want to go check that out, if you have that itch to scratch, if you are an addict and you have to have it, then, uh, you could just pay the three ninety nine this month, get it, and then instantly, uh, cancel. That's how I like to do my gym memberships. Um, so, uh, you, you do you on, on that front. Anything else? I think we should just get right into it. Well, then let's get this podcast started. That's a thing we say. <laughs> that, 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 that's a thing we say. <laughs> um, so this movie, uh, as it was advertised, and its name, which we already joked about in the top, came across as silly, I think, it might be putting I think it lightly. Lighthearted is what they're going for. I think they've gotten a lot of critiques in the past about their movies being too dark, too gritty, or heavy handed. Yeah. Zany a little bit. There was some Zane. Um, and very much Harley Quinn is at the like front of it. Uh, thoughts on just seeing the name and the trailer. Before, so, going into this movie, what are your emotions before you go see this movie? There were a couple of different trailers. I really liked um, the idea of like a female team up. There, I think it's the first trailer that was released was one that got me really um, hyped about seeing it. Yeah, There the, was a second trailer that I'm not as familiar with that I think kind of slowed the roll on the hype train a little bit for <laughs> a lot of people, but I'm not as familiar with that one. I think tonally they just like were looking to get people back into the DC bandwagon. You know, fun, bright colors, Harley Quinn's here, everyone liked her. That's what I picked up too, uh, over the top. Yeah, I was thinking that whatever we were getting ourselves into was just going to be so cartoony and wild that uh, it was going to be fun, and that was that. That was my base expectations for this movie started. And I think that this movie comes on the tail of Suicide Squad, which is where Harley Quinn is introduced into the DC universe in live action form. Yeah, and really the only good thing anybody I ever heard anybody say about Suicide Squad was Harley Quinn looked cool. <laughs> yeah, so they wanted to bank on that again. Yeah, not even that her performance was necessarily but great you know, in that movie. But not the worst idea if you're them and figuring out how are we going to keep these movies going with the MCU ever expanding. Like, we'll take the best part of that movie and the best feedback that we got from that and see how we can turn it into something. Right, and I think that and we've talked about this on this podcast a lot. Like, if they need to cash in on Joker and Harley Quinn because those are their two biggest entities. Uh, and in fact, I think more than in some ways more than Batman and Superman. Uh, and so that's what they're doing here. I would agree. And it's it's crazy to think the pop cultural relevance of just Harley Quinn's outfit mm-hmm. and the effect that that had on just like American nerd culture at large. How it was many either her or Deadpool. And that was all you would see. Yeah. At conventions. Totally. And I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that that was the style of uh, Harley Quinn in the comic books leading mm-hmm. up to the Suicide Squad movie. But 
it's certainly taken a 180, and now the movie is driving people's perception of what Harley Quinn looks like. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, the marketing worked because directly behind us when we saw it on opening night was a whole row of roller derby people there. So if that's, like, the market they're going for, which seems completely... I think that's the aesthetic, yeah. Yeah. So, like, somewhere in between, like, rockabilly, like, uh, party girl thing, yeah. I guess, is what they're going for. It's not goth, which is, an, it's like an interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it just is like self-affirming, like be like be a sex icon and be whoever you want and also be violent. I guess if that's like your brand. <laughs> of, when uh, it calls for it. But also not, you don't have to be prim and proper. I thought for, I think it was pretty telling early on that Harley Quinn was going to be a major role in this. And the fact that they called it a Birds of Prey movie was, uh, I think a little misleading. Misleading, yeah. And this will be the first spoiler, I think, because it's worth mentioning. The birds of prey don't even form until literally the last five minutes of the movie, right? Which is is fine to do. I think that's an interesting. It, maybe it's the origin story of the birds of prey, but this is one hundred percent a Harley Quinn movie. It could have just been called Harley Quinn. Yes, yeah. that's the one critique I would give it. If they're not trying to expand the birds of prey into anything, they should not have. Right. Marketed or named this movie. What I mean, do you did. guys even foresee a Birds of Prey movie coming out? I would out? be into it. I, I would be into it, but they didn't flesh out the other characters no, in any way. All. Like, this is just a Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. And the I, way it even leaves off. Like, there's no reason for Harley to even be associated with them anymore. Well, she isn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> she leaves them high and dry. I was, I was worried about the sort of money this movie was going to make just based on some of that marketing. That not a lot of people were necessarily going to know or care about Birds of Prey. And then Harley Quinn squeaked in I think, <laughs> at the, at I think tail the, end of the title. My favorite character of the whole thing was Huntress, though. Huntress she was, was very cool. She was, and it, I mean, they didn't really flesh her out, but just the way she kind of brought the character to the screen was very entertaining to me. Yeah. So, I don't know. They kind of did that little Kill Bill thing with each of the assassins, so that was maybe a little bit of the background, but... Yeah, but you don't you just don't get a sense of the ensemble. And I don't even really know like the motive behind like Black Canary. Like we get a sense that her mother had the same powers that she did. She only used her vocal cord powers one time right, in the she, whole movie. But that was part of her backstory is not wanting to. Cuz mm-hmm. she didn't want the life that her mom had. Yeah. And you get a little bit more of her from like shows like Arrow and stuff like that, but there wasn't too much of a deep dive in here. No. So while we're on the marketing of this, one of the things that I heard about this, like pro it, was how you know female-driven it was, the cast, and then also the director, uh, Kathy Yan. D- do you guys know anything about that director? I looked up some of her movies. I hadn't heard of any of the movies that she has done before. They look interesting when I looked them up as well, but I don't. I wasn't familiar with I think her. she's a no. bit of a newer director as far as yeah. directors go. So as a debut for us as like a per, like for as, as far as like a box office big movie, pretty strong coming I think or showing I think. Yeah. I, I it wasn't a bad movie. It was fun yeah. and like it did exactly what DC wanted it to do was maybe get newer fans and older fans back on. We'll get to our him. overall rating, but I just yeah, I just didn't know if the marketing of the if that led to you coming to it like oh, super femme I didn't get an overarching sense of it was going to be all about girl power in your face, no, stuff like that. but I remember talking to you, after, to Greg, after we left the theater and saying that I appreciated all that it did for those themes without being so heavy-handed about it. Because you've got several emancipation stories, but they're not hitting you over the head with them. You do get a sense that, okay, these are all girls kicking ass. The, the fight scenes were crazy. Mm-hmm. And, like... You, you could see that they could do some damage and you could see that they were not um, relying on feminine wiles to get out of situations. Or like you even have one who's singing in a club and she doesn't really use that sexuality overtly in any way, shape or form. Right. They're just like kicking ass. And that was kind of cool. But it wasn't like beating and, yeah. you over the head. Women, with, just like, like you or I. You know, yeah. One narrative plot through the whole movie is that 
one character has eaten a diamond and has to shit it out <laughs> for yeah. the entire movie. So we got two yeah. journeys in this movie. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn coming into her identity and then this diamond passing through this young woman's uh, di- digestive tract. <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have led with on the marketing. <laughs> the Birds story, of prey and I shit a diamond. The story of a diamond. <laughs> yeah, that's going to have been the real uncut Diamonds jam. are a girl's best friend. <laughs> okay, uh, as far as, okay, so DC gets a lot of shit for not having as good of movies as Marvel yep. does. Even though, as you guys covered in your um, Patreon episode, DC consistently outsells Marvel in the comic book industry, for those of you who don't know that. Um, which is So it's a flip world yes. on the, on, in, in the paper realm. But DCs as a whole, especially for live action, have been thought of as the lesser movies. They don't really know what they want to be. They know they want to be dark, but they don't really deliver. And they certainly didn't deliver on their big um, superhero united Justice League in the way that Avengers did. So with the most recent tonality of, or the, the, the tone in general of DC, how does this fit? Is this a good direction for it? Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a great fit. I think yeah. it's more of a you're going to this movie to have fun and to enjoy yourself. And whereas with the other movies, you're bogged down with, you know, too dark of a tone, the characters being kind of just flat and not entertaining. One of the best things that Marvel movies did for comic book movies was that they made it so they didn't all have to have a singular, like, tone, as in the comic book movie was the genre itself. And DC, realizing that not all of their movies had to be dark was such a blessing the fact that they can have some of the more seriously toned ones like joker but can also have their deadpool-esque yeah one with which is like i think the closest comp for this harley quinn movie is is wonderful and i would expect moving forward for the tonality of the movie and the genre of the movie to more better match and suit the character type than Mm -hmm. just being like it's a DC movie, so it's gritty. Yeah. Right. What's funny is before I walked into this movie, like an hour before, I was telling somebody I was going to go see it, and they are like, oh, good luck. DC movies have sucked recently. And I was kind of like, I don't know. I just watched The Joker, or Joker, and I thought it was amazing, uh, although it is problematic in a lot of ways. Uh, you guys saw Shazam. Thoughts? It's a movie that knows what it is a little more than yeah. some yeah. of the Yeah, it was super fun. It yeah. was I. I have been avoiding it for a long time because I yeah. thought, just like everybody else who's been burned by a DC movie, you're like, I don't really want to sit through two and a half hours of boring dialogue and you know, too dark of a screen. And it was a total delight. And also with Wonder Woman coming out, like with the. 80s. They're kind of doing the Thor thing where it's like very much 80s centered. Those trailers look fucking amazing. Yep. I kind of think like, you know, I, I guess like don't sell out on DC just yet in, in some ways would be my kind of like sell for it. It was like Birds of Prey was not bad. Um, no, it, no. It was like borderline good. I guess we'll get to our overall ratings. Yeah, it's a good, I, it's a good step towards gaining the audience's trust back. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And that's what sucks about DC. Like they shot themselves in the foot so hard in the beginning that they've lost a lot of trust with the audience that they wanted. And now they're having to not only get out of this hole that they dug, but uh, gain back their viewership in the process. If it wasn't a problem, we wouldn't be having a conversation about how it fits in with the other right. That's true. movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think, and when we say shot in their foot, I think what people are saying is the Christopher Nolan Batmans were epic. Like, yep. in, insanely, like, in some ways, cinema-defining. And then, like, they they went nowhere after that. Like, they, it's hard to even name a DC success story after that until, like, Wonder Woman gets some steam, and then I think Joker is the biggest success story yep. since then. And mm-hmm. so, hopefully, they could get back on that track. Yeah. One thing I was interested to hear from you guys, um, speaking of this kind of tonally. So, one thing I wanted to hear from you guys, speaking of this movie tonally, is like if there was a pie chart of genre, like how would you break that up into different movie genres? Like where does this movie fall mostly? Um, is is superhero a one we can use? Sure. Yeah, okay. I think I've got an idea in my head. Okay, you mean like Batman, Mister Freeze? I, I think I've got. I think I've got mine. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. Mine is kind of like uh, this. Would be my version. This is a, okay in my mind. This is a superhero version of Tu Wong Fu, which <laughs> is you're getting this band of kind of 
mismatched people together on one journey. Yeah. And they have big, everyone has a big personality. Yeah. In this. And uh, it, it, they all play together well. I feel like this may be like a weird, it's, it's, it's not correct to call it a, a cult movie, mm-hmm. but like in the realm of DC, like this will be their most, their most like cult classic. Because it, it shouldn't fit in any of their line. Yeah. Because it's like zany. It's basically an entire female cast except for the villain. Villains, yeah. I should say. And I don't know. That's where I'm sitting with it. Just a fun romp. I think it's just their version of Deadpool, which is not bad. Like yeah. whatever that is. Com- comedic action movie. I, you, you, you hit it there with me with the word action. Same. I think this movie is like... 70% action movie. I would have mm-hmm. even put that a little higher. Would it was you have? like it that that was pretty much wall to wall. I had a moment where we were like halfway through the movie and I was like, "Man, this is almost John Wick yeah. with how much there is like ass kicking in this." So many which stunts. Which really surprised me. Yeah, a lot of stunt work, a lot of great fight scenes. It I think like 10 minutes in, we have the main the big bad black mask yep. um carving somebody's face off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to be like, wait, is this... Like a horror yeah, or, up movie? <laughs> or was this movie R? I don't even know. It was R. It had yeah. to have been. They had so many F-bombs. Okay, yeah. Um, so many bones breaking that so, you don't cut away from. Yeah. So think about that. If that's DC's move, is to go like, you know what? Our superhero movies are R. You don't have to make them dark, but they can still be R <laughs> yeah. and be really they have, good. They have adult content in them. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. Certainly action to the point that I was like, man... How did Harley learn to fight so well? Or any of them learned it? Like, I don't really need that, or, like, they, they, they trained with, uh, who did Batman train with forever? Ra's al Ghul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need, like, a whole movie on that. But I was kind of like, where, what MMA, like, gym is she going to constantly to be right. this much of a badass? Yeah. <laughs> I think just her many years with the Joker. Okay. You just kind of learn on sight. A lot of hands-on learning. The choreography was insane. So I, that's good. what I said. Like, this movie had more close-up action than... Maybe any Marvel movie I've seen. Like, there wasn't much CGI or anything like that. This was full-on, like Mike said earlier, John Wick-esque, like, just fucking brutality. If anything, I feel like the trailer and the lead-up sold it short Mm -hmm. in some ways. As far as action goes. Yeah. this John Wick, great comparison. Atomic Blonde. Like, another, like, like, it should have sold itself as, like, kick-ass. I don't know that it should have, but had it, I would have been like, oh, that kick-ass Harley Quinn movie. One thing I think about... uh, Tonality wise, as well, was um, some of the more cartoony, comical things that ended up in the movie. And right when we were leaving the theater, there was something that I felt a little different about um, than I think the rest of you guys, which was the musical sing songy mm-hmm. part of the movie. Yes. Oh, she's I got getting, an eye roll from she's Budget She's getting King. knocked around, and it's really brief, actually. Right. For what it probably costs to set up and do and all that, it's yes. very brief. This but is like her it's hallucination mid being, like, knocked upside the head. Yeah. Um, I thought going into the movie there was going to be way more surreal scenes like that. And I think just because I was expecting it, I wanted more of that in this movie. It kind of dips into the psychosis of Harley Quinn, of how yeah. she goes from doctor to, like, uh, serial killer or whatever. Right. It's like, a vi- it's like okay, this woman's brain was already a little bit splintered. And there's this animated <laughs> sequence that kicks off the movie, and that tonally is completely different than anything yep. else that really happens in the movie, which was odd, right? They never bring that back. No. I was glad, that they, I was glad that they didn't. I was like, oh, God, if we're going to get these, mm-hmm. like, dips into her like psychosis the whole time it's just gonna be a rough movie to watch she didn't have enough time to stop and think that was probably the only time where she was like can't do anything else I'm literally being beaten unconscious might as well go into this weird dreamscape when she uh, when somebody shoots cocaine and she like snorts it and is like yeah (laughs) I was like "All right, I'm in for this this is cool that was I liked that (laughs) what company is gonna say yeah there's a shoot up and they hit confiscated cocaine and the <laughs> hero of the movie does it like gets a it's fucking like, buzz off it just and what it, I needed and is like yes I acknowledge what this is and I needed it and now I'm right. there like, <laughs> that was great and like 
I don't have much experience with with cocaine, but I would assume it doesn't like make you like a superhero. And they didn't overplay it. No, no, they, no. They just gave her a little bit of confidence that she needed to like it just, just kicks some ass. I could see somebody being like, "Oh, and the superhero serum of cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> and do you think this is that was a line that even Deadpool would have crossed? No, I don't think so either. Yes, and I think this is like the edge. From DC, that DC fans are like, fuck yeah, Marvel wouldn't do that. I well, think that's the sort of thing they're looking for. I think, too, like, I don't think any of them would have gotten to the point where they called to turn the kid in like she did. She was like, ha- she had to have been brought even a little bit lower to be like, turn okay, Cody. I guess I really can't do that. Wait, you're you know saying like mean? like where she turns on the kid and, yeah. like, and is like, fuck it, you know yeah, what, I, I'm calling, I, I'm I calling actually am a bad yeah. person, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They kept Harley Quinn remains a semi bad guy through this journey, which is pretty hard to do. Yeah, there and there's certainly times where you're rooting for her and times when you're just like, fuck this person. Mm-hmm. She fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is which is so hard to get you to go back and forth on a character like that so many times. I don't know if she's would be considered a bad guy. She's definitely selfish. Like she serves her best interests. Whether that be To the know, detriment ter- of people who were I, not innocent but like but I, I, think, I think that makes you a bad guy. Yeah, I think she's a straight. I mean, she has no. She's not doing anything heroic. She has no sense of like. I don't good. do anything heroic. Well, and well, I you think, may be a bad guy. <laughs> and I think one of the things they posed in in the marketing for the movie was that Harley Quinn is playing hero with Birds of Prey, like. This is her entry as a hero now. Mm-hmm. That everyone loved her so much, we're making her a hero, and. They or at made the very a, least less. They, yeah, yeah. But I, I think they made a big point of saying she's like, "Fuck the birds of prey. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. That, right. that ain't me." Yeah. And I enjoyed the what they kept to the character. I also like that Joker never makes an appearance. In oh, this, thank in, God! In this whole movie, yeah. um, because I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Even in the animated entry where they reference the Joker, he's not drawn like the Joker that we saw in Suicide Squad. It seems like they knew the hip hop Joker was a bad idea. <laughs> right. Good good call. And so they're just had, like I, trying to retcon that I within had, the first ten minutes. I had not minutes. heard him called that, but that is exactly what Jared Leto is. <laughs> He's a hip hop joker, man. Yeah. Not so good. Yeah, so they and, and I think it's a little bit bogus to be like the whole the whole this whole movie is spurred on by like a scorned lover. Uh, just like who can't get over her boyfriend, but they do a lot to redeem that very quickly. One of the biggest things is just not putting the Joker in the movie, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of amazing. Yeah. I think her um I I think I think it's more um the the relationship that they hint that's the closest to that would be Black Canary and the Black Mask. Yes. Because he's trying to be possessive of her and um use her to further his own agenda. Do you guys want to talk about Black Mask though? Cuz I have some stuff or are we Yeah, let's we... let's get to performances and characters. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's great. Let's let's lead let lead with the big bad Black Mask. Yeah. I thought um so I thought Ewan McGregor did a really good job with him, like making him a little quirky and a little idiosyncratic, but which is more interesting to me than just some overt villain type. I don't think he was fully fleshed out enough. And we kind of talked about this in the comic books. He's a B team at best in the Gotham Batman story. He has a lot more prominence in Teen Titans um, as yeah. like as a bad there. And so like they kind of picked a character which Marvel will do a lot, where they could kind of it was putty, so they could kind of form it out in the cinema a little bit of what he was. It's not even clear why. I guess he has an obsession with masks, like why he wears a right. mask. The one time you even understand that is when you go into a room in his house and he's just showing her all these masks, and that's it. Yeah. In a in a movie that is filled with villains who are kind of being superheroes to have an even worse villain, I think they did a good job of making him very bad, though. Oh, like, he was maniacal and like yeah. sadistic, but I think a key to a good action movie is when the bad is not necessarily like so tactilely or just like professionally good, but they're so chaotic that you just don't know what they're going to do. They could just be so violent on a whim for no reason. That, to me, is the scariest, like, action movie bad guy, and I think they nailed it with this. I think they could have done a little bit more because I feel like there were maybe two scenes where he did something really unexpected, and it was kind of that zero to 60, but the rest of the time he was, like, just this, like, 
quirky guy. Well, you kind of see him grow as getting unhinged more the more his plans fall apart. Yes. Mm -hmm. That he's got this moment where he realizes, man, it's not really working out. And that's when he makes a woman across the bar who is laughing at something. And he's just like, is she laughing at me? Yeah. And he makes her dance on a table. And it is like unnerving triggering yeah like if you've had something and i like, think happen to you that's a very trigger they're scene. going for that like yeah. they're, they're, they're being on that edge i don't think they wrote that character tone deaf like you're supposed to be like fuck this guy mm-hmm. well, this and, guy mm-hmm. sucks but at the same time you've been gradually brought up to this point point thinking like this performance is a delight oh yeah like how Nut, yeah. nut Casey he is and just his like <laughs> reactions to things yeah. are like typically really so bad fun. guys don't say ew that much yeah right he's just like icky get it out of here <laughs> like his his personality was very charming and interesting mm-hmm. and I that's why I thought his performance was near like the top of the list of performances yeah. in this movie Magarabi's performance was basically the same continuation from Suicide Squad that we saw I mean she did great in Suicide Squad, she did great here. I think she built off it a little bit because she's becoming more independent and maybe growing a little bit as that character. But, I mean, it was fine. Didn't really deviate from anything. I think it, it has to be one of the hardest characters to pull off because it is is so already baked. And even, like, the accent and stuff. Like, you don't really get to, like, invent an aspect of Harley Quinn that doesn't exist. This is part of what I was wondering because I was expecting more depth of character Knowing who Margot Robbie is and, like, how great Itania was and, like, a, a million other movies that she's done where she's had just incredible roles, we know that she's got the chops oh, yeah. to add just tons of depth to this character. But at That's- her core, is Harley Quinn a character with depth or is she completely insane? And I think the crux of the character is that she's fully off her rocker and... You can only add so much reality and depth to a character like that and stay true to the character themselves. I think the biggest piece of that is that she'll show a little bit of vulnerability, but you can almost kind of see that that insanity just has to come right back. Sure. With everything she's been through, that's her coping mechanism. Right. Is to be that insane and to not care as much about the girl, the uh, Cassandra Kane and stuff like she will start to break a little bit, but she can't really stay there for long or she'll just stay there. She'll right. she'll wither away. I think whereas Ryan Reynolds made Deadpool palatable and even likable to me in the movies, Margot Robbie did the same thing for Harley Quinn. To me, where I, I find Harley Quinn a little bit on the edge of annoying just as a character in the realm of comic books, Margot Robbie brought her into where I was like, hmm, maybe I like Harley Quinn. Any other performances that stood out? I thought Huntress was so good. She Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Yes. Yeah. Amazing performance at being like, obviously it's like super hyper character work. Yes. To be this really introverted, unsure of themselves person, but also be a badass at yeah. the same time. Totally. Um, like a uns- homeschooled weirdo. Unsocial- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unsocialized too. Like- but like such a badass. Yeah. Like I loved her in the mirror being like, they call me Huntress. <laughs> and she's so monotone. Yeah. And they carry that through the entire movie so well. And her reactions to things just to- every every time people yeah. are like, they have to have a reaction to what she does. And right. she's like, oh, is that not something I should have done? <laughs> I think they're even like, you know, Crossbow Killer would have been a better name <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Huntress. Uh, yeah. Uh, she was great. Um, Canary, Black Canary was definitely like the straight man of mm-hmm. the whole thing, which is interesting because you got Rosie Perez's character who you would expect to really be the straight man throughout. But I think ultimately that lies in. in and she Black was buddy Canary. cop. <laughs> yeah, she was something. She was the chip on on her shoulder character. She always had that something to prove. Yeah, and I think Black Canary was more of the begrudging tag along. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't really want to be in this, but I think that's the reason that you had to have Cassandra Kane, the kid at the center, because you have all these women who never in a million years would have worked together otherwise. But because they all have to protect this girl, they're going to be a team now. Yeah, and they're all people who it seems like had complicated 
histories leading up to the women they are now. So when they see a young woman at this crux of change, everyone wants to have their yeah. chance to, You're gonna be under my wing. to You're right gonna be under that my wrong. Wing. <laughs> right, exactly. What was the biggest scene, the most iconic or memorable scene that you think happened in this entire movie that people will talk about? To me, this is an easy one. And it's so Harley Quinn and it's exactly what I wanted from the movie. I was like, oh, I'm getting it right now during this scene. When she busts into the police station and has this, like, grenade launcher and this belt of grenades that are all, like, goop and glitter glitter yeah. and powder, bombs. powder yeah. dust and different, like, <laughs> gag uh, arsenal. Like, that scene was so much fun. And that was the first, like, heavy, heavy action scene, too. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing her kick ass. It's really cartoony. It's zany. It's funny. Yeah. She was whipping that thing around. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. That scene is is great. I, my, one of my favorite scenes was actually seeing um, Black Mask explode. <laughs> they, it, it's, it's toward the, the, the very end of the film. I wasn't expecting it. You know what I mean? It's just like they, you forget that there's a grenade in two scenes previous and then it's on his coat or whatever. And then all of a sudden he just explodes in this blood cloud. And I just thought it was it fucking striking. It was such an unclimactic sudden death. I mean, obviously exploding into a bunch of pieces is climactic. Yeah. But the quickness with which they, which they did it mm -hmm. just was just like, oh, God, I guess yeah. it's done. They <laughs> thought it would have been like drawn out a little more. <laughs> they this fight between they won, Quinn. I guess. Yeah. 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 And continue story. Yeah. I mean, he just fucking erupted. <laughs> I think you nailed it, Mike, with what is the most iconic. Yeah. What, the first scene that showed me what this movie is going to be yeah. is when um, Harley is trying to figure out, get her footing, and she's like, I'm going to get a hyena. And so she gets a hyena, and immediately it cuts to the way that she got it was she fed the person that was uh, selling it to her uh, to the hyena because they were, like, being creepy to her. Yeah. And, like, straight up the hyena is, like, eating a, a foot. And I was like, oh, this is a violent movie. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a couple, but I think they're just more aesthetic because it took me out enough to be— to just kind of remark on how high action it was. One was probably the one in the funhouse with the hands, that platform where all of them are fighting together, and it was just choreographed, like, really good. I guess that's not very, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know. But um, the second one, I think, would be um, with Huntress on the motorcycle and Harley on the roller skates trying to chase down Black Mask in the car. And it was kind of an elongated scene for a chase scene, but it was really just high action and a lot of stunt work that I was like, this is this is some serious, serious stuff. Yeah, her getting into the car yeah. and then back out of the car. Yeah. And then <laughs> hitching on the motorcycle yeah. again. Very kick-ass. <laughs> I just kept thinking, like, that. you've got to be going so fast. Yeah. Like, I don't even know yeah. how... The bearings yeah. on those skates yeah. are not going to be able to hold up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things I appreciated about, just to riff off of that... The the fight scenes weren't so close up that you're just like, I'm just seeing fists fly and I can't make sense of how well choreographed this all is. Yeah. The violence scenes were like a beautiful dance. I yes. mean, like you take a step back and you can really soak in all the movement and what's happening, which is... Uh, a huge miss in a lot of action movies, and they got that right for sure. So, I and think even even to be able to place where the one person who's hiding and not in the action yeah. is at all times, and how they're all like, "Hey, you okay? Okay, cool. Now I'm gonna go fight some guys. Hey, you okay? It's my turn to check on you. You're moving over here. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. And you can just track everybody throughout the course of it. It was bonkers. One other iconic scene that uh, I wouldn't necessarily call like a scene was the night of her partying and like the debauchery that she kind of gets into seems very believable. Like, I've seen, I've been like, oh, I've seen my friends get that drug before. And yeah, really over bad, a breakup. Really bad decisions, uh, or even myself. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, that that was good that they, like, made it real. Like, because I think you could just over-movie-eyes that, and then and they didn't. Like, it just felt like, oh, yeah, that's, that's how that night would go. I, mm -hmm. I don't know that you, I would blow up. An entire uh, factory, but <laughs> no. hey, well, you, if you give them the opportunity, you might have. Or break a driver's legs. <laughs> Do you? Do you guys remember that scene where like Black Mask is cutting off that person's face, 
you're just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Isn't it his henchman doing it, or is oh he yeah, doing I it? guess it's Zazer or or whatever that guy's name. That guy was good. I really liked the dynamic that they had. If we're on performances again, yeah, like, that guy was from the Mindy Project. Yeah, he was. I totally forgot that, and that's a different role than oh, yeah. what we got in this movie. But I think he did it really well. Um, I mean, it was it was weird the the symbiotic nature that they had too. Like he was like mad at the at Harley and at Black Canary for coming in because he looks after Black Mask and he's the protector of him. Like, weird that he was almost like the guy behind the guy type of thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Along those lines, did you have a cringiest scene within this movie that you would have put out there? We talked about one, which is where she goes into, like, this singy kind of thing that's a daze. It's, it's hard to even explain if you haven't seen the movie, but it's essentially her performing, like, a musical of sorts. Not what I want to see in an action movie. Uh, I don't know if it's a cringy scene, but one I didn't really enjoy was the whole breakfast sandwich kind of scenario where she was, like, uh, you know... Not great writing, I'll getting, say that. Getting off on this sandwich because it was, like, the best-made sandwich ever made and, like, she just went off on this wax poetic for about five minutes on this breakfast sandwich, and I was just like, I could see this being in a comic book, but like, I don't really think it. It was shot to be well, in the movie, but I just like, I'm like, okay, I I get what you're going for, but I don't, yeah. Look, if you're if you're dealing with a breakup and that's the last money that you have in the world, and that's all you can look forward to, yeah, you might be a little over dramatic, and you're insane. I mean, okay, yeah, makes sense. It did a makes good, sense to me. Yeah, it did a good job of kind of like. Showing the hangover, just like all that's important to yes. me right now <laughs> is like cheese and bread. Tell me if you had just bought a Little Caesars hot and ready with the last of your money, mm-hmm. dealing with a really bad breakup, and mm-hmm. someone takes it out of your hands, throws it in the street. It's been raining, there's gravel in it, yeah. you can't eat it anymore. It shows how much this character just lives in the one moment and nothing else. The present. Yeah. Completely yes. present. I've walked out of like a bodega before because they didn't have everything bagels. <laughs> and I was just like, nope, we're not getting breakfast today. <laughs> I don't think my scene is, I don't know if it's cringeworthy for the meaning that you're going for, but definitely the table dancing scene. Yeah. Could Oof. not. I think intentionally cringy. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So rough. not unintentional, but yeah. definitely like the hardest part of the movie for me to get through. Yeah. I think with as good as they did with Harley, she still had a handful of lines that I'm kind. Of, I was kind of like, ugh, this is it's the joke didn't quite land. The most joke thing that did not land for me was the Easter egg. <laughs> was it just like what a weird note to go out on as like this kind of like gotcha. So super spoiler oh, alert for yes, people. Yeah. Uh, that there's a there's a tiny little bit of an Easter egg, uh, and so like that. For me, like sometimes they, I would say ninety percent of her jokes landed, but some there they'd be like this realm of like, eh, not not I'm not the audience. Well, then we've arrived. What is your overall rating? You want to do this one through ten? Yeah, yeah let's do one through ten. One through ten overall rating on Birds of Prey: The Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Did I get, did I get it? I think so. Okay, Fantabulous. Um, I gave it an eight out of ten. It had its problems, it's had its flaws, but overall, I really enjoyed myself. I didn't want my money back at the end of the movie. And I think it really showed that DC has finally figured out their audience and their and their uh, uh, their tone for the rest of the films. I think it delivered on the title. Like Greg was saying, it's a really fun action movie, but it also took this kooky character and walked through her emancipation of Joker without the Joker. It, it honored, like, a female character being the lead and didn't make it about a man, while also being a story about leaving a relationship and, go like, essentially we're watching her, like, hit the five stages of grief. She's, like, dabda-ing over the, like, two hours <laughs> of this movie we're watching, um, which is a, a, an interesting theme that... Um, I, I just thought was really creative and clever to add throughout the movie. So I'm going to give it an 88.7 Great. B+. Plus. It's, a good, it's a good rating. I was going to say 3.5 out of 5 stars. Okay. So that translates to like... 70% maybe? Yeah, like maybe 75. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 7.5. I'm Yeah, I really liked it, but I, I can't give everything 100%. Right, like, yeah. 
because I've liked other movies that felt more significant, if that makes sense. I am at the same rating as Caitlin, a 7.5. I would call an 8 or above something that if somebody was like, you want to see that movie again this week? I would be like, yeah. And I didn't feel the urge to go see this movie again. Um, so that's why I'm not going 8 or above. But yeah. it was certainly a great, enjoyable experience. I don't have too many criticisms of it. It delivered more than what I expected on it. And I, I would go see another Harley Quinn movie. Yes. I think the... For me personally, the fight sequences gave it some good rewatchability. Yeah, I would definitely probably, see it again. Which is probably why my rating was a little higher there. You re- re-talking that out and talking about that scene with the bazooka or whatever it is, grenade launcher gun, yeah. made me be like, yeah, they did certainly nail some really exciting scenes here. Yeah. So definitely worth watching. Even the scene where all the jail cells open Ooh, and of course yeah. it's like water everywhere from the sprinklers. I was like... I'm not. I don't really want to watch a whole scene of this. And then you watch the whole scene, and it never gets boring. Right. And they it, also didn't show her nipples. Yeah. It never becomes a sexy thing. It never becomes mm-hmm. like just some, like it was that, just. I, my words are failing me no. today, but you guys are being very kind. Yeah. Like, it was good. It was a good scene. Wholesome. Wholesome same, scene. Same thing. Like we've got that great uh, police office break in that leads to. The jail break in that leads to the, the evidence? evidence locker yeah. fight, <laughs> which in an evidence locker is just full of weapons, right? Yeah. And those three segmented fight scenes together were just a beautiful thing. It went on for like 20 <laughs> minutes, which is like a lot of choreography. She even takes the that time, bat. Oof. Even the time that she like points to the guy on the wall. What's his name again from Suicide Squad? Captain Boomerang. Yes. And she's like, oh, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. It's like just like <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. I will. I think I compared this a little bit to when Ghostbusters kind of first came out, although I wasn't like old enough to know that era. But my understanding was people didn't really know what to do with it because it was like somewhere in the range of like horror movie. And as it's, you know, gone along, it's like, oh, it's probably way more in the comedy than it is horror movie or even action movie. And I think like, Viewing this movie, we couldn't even land on the genre. And I think this movie is going to take a little bit of time for people to be like, what is it? So when we called it a cult classic up front, I think that that in its truest sense, this movie is going to age a little bit better than most oh, yeah. DC movies. I just don't think you would have ever before right now have gotten in an, in an almost entirely female cast. And female dealing, director. Dealing with real but not overly dramatized issues that are specific to women that is driven by action instead of anything else. Like, not emotional, not sex, just, like, action and plot movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, birds of prey, you did it. You got you got a passing grade. <laughs> you got a 75 and above. <laughs> All right, we promised it, we will deliver it. And the end of this segment, which we normally do our news at the top, we're going to talk about just some non-superhero trades. If you're walking into a comic book store, you're a comic book person, you're like, I gotta up my ante. I gotta just grab some stuff to get back into it. What happened in the last year and a half that can get me rolling? Um, what are those books that people can do? And by the way, I'm gonna shout out, this comes from our friend, comes from our friend Adam Roberts who owns uh, Screenland, which we have uh, talked in front of his movies a handful of times here in Kansas City. Um, so, friend of the pod, kind of a little bit forlorn that he didn't just fucking uh, t- text us directly and say, what comic book should I <laughs> see? But I, we saw that he had a Facebook post, so this is a shout-out to uh, Adam uh, to help him, and, and maybe you're in his same situation, of what comic books do I buy if I've been out of the game for a minute? I would say, first off, you want to look at Gideon Falls, Walk Through Hell, uh, Fair Lady. Like, those are just great kind of... Creepy detective uh, fantasy. Well, Fair Lady is more of a fantasy criminal detective book, but those are just really good segmented stories that I think a lot of people. Great call on Fair Lady. I forgot about that. I think that's the Copperhead artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like, it's a buddy cop, but in a whole other way. It's like in the Lord of the Rings realm. It's like cops in Lord of the Rings. Do you think that's too superhero? Heroey for somebody looking for something that's not so superhero-y? I think uh, not really because it's still, even though it's like set in this fantasy realm, they're still yeah. solving crimes mm-hmm. uh, in that realm. It's basically, there's kidnappings, there's ransoms, there's just, yeah. you know, death and murder and you got to figure it out. And I think that's, it's fun 
and it's an easy way to maybe transition into more hard fantasy stuff. It's if, also, if, I think, doesn't it complete itself over and yeah. over again? Yeah. Yeah, so like each issue you can kind of just go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a one and done kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it reads like a Saturday morning cartoon in some ways. Yeah. We had mentioned before this part as we were kind of pre-gaming this um, die, uh, which is by the, the same author of Wicked and Divine, which wouldn't really count in the last year and a half, but would totally recommend that. But Die, in some ways, is an improvement of Wicked and Divine. As good as Wicked and Divine is, it's a Die is a little bit more um, together. Wicked and Divine goes a lot of soap opery places, and it's like a lot of drama and a lot yeah. of like things. Whereas like Die is just it's straightforward. Like, hey, these kids have this Die that sends them into this terrifying D and D world where they become their actual D and D characters. Yeah, and everything bad that you can imagine about that scenario does happen, and they're still trying to figure out who the fuck they are in their midlife crisis. That's true, and it's a wonderful story, and the artwork is absolutely insane. Good pick. Uh, I would say, um, for the same reasons, artwork and the story being insane, the New World would be good. Oh, yeah. Good call on New World. Um, that one is, is absolutely insane. Tradmore, mm-hmm. um, who also did uh, Silver Surfer Black, mm-hmm. um, but we're doing non-superhero things here. <laughs> Crowded would be another good one, non-superhero. Yeah. Yeah, and what's great about that one is, is they have a movie coming out in the next year or so about Crowded. Yes, they do. Uh, Mike D and I did a uh, a Patreon about the f- last four issues of Something Is Killing the Children, which I cannot recommend enough. Yeah, so amazing. If you're even in a little bit into horror movies, um, that is an amazing book to check out. You guys liked Once in Future as well, and I love it. Yeah, continued. And I think the first trade just came out or is about to come out. I'm I'm doing in the monthly, so I don't actually know. Um, but that's just the a retelling, or I guess a, a modern look at what King Arthur's legacy would do. So like Relics, it's anthropological and stuff, but it's also action movie, and it has this cool juxtaposition, which is uh, Mike D has a soft spot for where old person fights with a new person. Like That's exactly right. Geriatric almost We've person. Got, yeah, someone in senior living. <laughs> Bust loose. <laughs> I love it. Give seniors their due. <laughs> you think you're so original with your feelings? If you were going to jump in now on, like, what was three or five years ago, the saga or the East of West, what what non-superhero book would you say has that steam and hype to be like, okay, I was there? Great when question. When it started. Yeah. I have a couple just to throw out there that I don't well, see, see what you think, go, but go ahead. I'll say Greg mentioned Gideon Falls earlier, and that's a book that I certainly feel is, like, born in this really real feeling environment that grounds you in a reality first before getting into the zaniness of the ethereal and otherworldly. And it's, those it, are the sort of things that like really have legs that and I it's, get excited for. And it's been for. option and I think there's two trades of it out. So good yeah. time to jump into it. Totally. If you were like going to actually own the first five books of something... I guess, like, or the, what would that be? Because, like, Gideon's is a little bit, like, I think number one would be even hard to get a hold of right now. So, I I don't know. I was going to put out there, I think Undiscovered Country has a little bit of that kind of steam. And that just started. Yeah. You can still get first prints of that online. Um, So, there's that. I think Family Tree, which is another Jeff Lemire book, has a little bit of steam behind it. I know that, sorry, I'm giving you all of mine (laughs) real quick. (laughs) Uh, I think Excellence and Bitter Root. Uh, were two books that started off good and kind of kept being good and have there's talks of options within there as well. So those might be some hype trains to jump on too. Yeah. Well, I think you already mentioned it, and it's going to be hard to get these books, but the Die books, I mean, that series is like just phenomenal. It's like redefining, you know, aspects of storytelling and comic books and what people are really gravitating towards. And, I mean... You may not be able to get the single issues, but get the trades. I mean, they're they're just so good. So good. It's wonderful. And also, it may be a superhero book, but read Immortal Hulk. It is like just scary and like And you don't spooky. have to read you don't have to read anything else. Like, no, yeah, it's, it's so it's self-contained and not definitely standard. worrying about whatever what else is going on in the Marvel universe. It's just a fun book. I know I broke the rules, but <laughs> No, I think that would be my closing sentiment as well, is that I I read mostly superhero comic books, and I I think there are some that 
transcend what a lot of people think superhero comic books are. My my advice to people who are looking for stories in the in comic book form that they would enjoy if they like that medium but are just worried to get into it is that once you find an author you like, you know, find other authors recommended based on those authors and don't be afraid to be um a fan of someone who's also written superhero stuff and then try out their superhero stuff that they've written. Because if Jeff Lemire writes a great, you know, horror mystery that you love, then you're probably going to like his run of like Sentry or something, which like really explores self. Isn't this interesting? I think that 10 years ago, we would have said non-superhero is the indie every man like kind of way to enter mm-hmm. uh, comic books now it's so that like the actual like counterculture indie thing is to like get into a big two book yeah if you can yeah um because like image is just like so huge and ubiquitous that it's like if you could actually figure out how to dip into a big two book like good for you and they're also fucking killer yeah different they've got the money to pay the best writers yeah because yeah. i mean that's not to say that there aren't Great writers who are just, like, getting into comic books or who haven't had their opportunity yet. But there are some great, great writers that uh, Marvel and DC are drafting. And, oh, and, some, and some, like, kind of obscure stylistic choices, too. Like, it's it's not even a bad idea just to go and browse and see what covers and see what aesthetic pops to you. Because that's how I found Vision, and I never probably would have right. gone into yeah. the big two heavily had I not started with something that was... I think that's a good recommendation. Just go into I, a comic book shop and I mean, see what just kind of... Yeah, you can't you judge by cover, towards. but you can definitely find avenues that you are going to gravitate toward. And I think that that's why you have to kind of cake that question in, like, what is the relevance of it? If you're saying, I want to be part of the hype that is happening in comic books... That's one question. If you're saying, I want a great one-and-done vacation read, like I just want to like escape and, and read myself like silly, that's another question. So, And I think there's just there's, there's, there's a million types of shoppers that come into like comic books. And I think you also could, if, and comic books are expensive. Like you come in and you spend 15 bucks and you got a dud, like you might not come back for another year and a half. So yeah. it's worth talking and having this conversation. To get you know what's good for that? This podcast. This podcast is fucking great for that. Yeah. We talk about first all the time, indie <laughs> and superhero. So if you want to know what to read, just listen to us. We'll always be there for you. We'll and always be there for you. I'll leave this out there. That sounded threatening. If you if you just read a title and you don't want to listen to it, just fucking message us and we'll tell you if the book is good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll cut the BS and tell you yes or no. As long as you show a picture that you rated and reviewed us, we'll fucking talk to you all day. <laughs> all right. And that's a pod. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on First Issue Club. Don't forget, we are going to C2E2 when it comes around. We're going to be doing all kinds of posts and stuff on every social media, so look out for that. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon, where we have bonus episodes, interviews, videos, all kinds of fun stuff. Rate and review, rate and review on iTunes, and see you next time. A beep bop boobity booby. This is Greg Hahn movie. That's 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 that's, that's a thing we say. <laughs> new new listeners. <laughs> that's a